Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time for part two of Know Your Enemy. Of course, my name is Michael Beck, joined as always by one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict and our special guest down below uh, from Stampede Blue, Chris Blystone. Chris, getting right back into our conversation here, how do you anticipate the Colts trying to move the ball against this uh, Steelers defensive front? I definitely think that they're going to try to run. Uh, Frank Reich's running game really does kind of dictate his his play calling a little bit. He is such a better play caller when the Colts are running the ball effectively. It's 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 a very different offense when they are not getting behind on the sticks. Um, they they just are more open, um, and I think that we've seen the ability to have success with the passing game almost being set up. Uh, by the fact that there is actually a threat of a run. The Colts had one of the worst running games um, really season long. Uh, they had one of the worst running games until about the time I think that they played the Raiders uh, three or four weeks ago. And um, I, I think they're going to definitely try to get that worked in, but they're also going to be passing the ball a lot to their running backs and trying to utilize uh, their speed at that position um, across the middle. And I, I expect that they're going to go probably to... I don't know. They, they, they've targeted Trey Burton a lot, but T.Y. Hilton has been on fire. Zach Pascal uh, had a pretty good game. Some of their more physical players um, maybe are guys they're going to go to, and that's not T.Y., um, so I'm not sure what his role is going to be in this game, but I do expect them to kind of attack the middle of that defense, um, see what's there, see if they can get that going, because they want to try to negate the speed and the pass rush. Uh, they can't leave Philip Rivers back there uh, hung out to dry and just get eaten alive by that pass rush. So I expect probably early and often they're going to try to get the running game going, and Frank Reich's pretty patient, so I don't think he'll, he'll abandon that, even if it's not working great at, at the start. Uh, Jeffrey, in, in the same vein, uh, what happened to the what happened to the Steelers' offense? And 
how, how do they continue to get worse week in week out? Oh man, well we've covered this quite a bit, but basically we brought in Matt Canada to revitalize the run game and to get some creativity into the passing game because teams pretty much solved it by the end of 2018. Teams knew what they were going to get from the Steelers passing game. It's just Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster were winning routes. It didn't matter. You knew it was coming, but you couldn't stop it all. Uh, that's why the Steelers' two tight ends back then, that was Jesse James and uh, Vance McDonald having fabulous seasons because you couldn't stop everybody. You, you might kind of know what's coming, but you can't stop it all. Uh, this year, Ben does not have an Antonio Brown. Ben does not have that guy who is who is able to beat double coverage, is able to just be like, you know, I know where you're going to be and I'm going to get you the ball there and you're going to be open. And if you're not open, you'll still make the play. He doesn't have that guy. So the predictability in the offense is a big problem. They brought in Matt Canada, but but he wants Ben Roethlisberger to do things Ben Roethlisberger is not comfortable doing. And you don't take an old quarterback who's done things one way his whole career and ask him to relearn how to play football. That doesn't work well. Uh, like that'd be like if Denver had asked Peyton Manning, you know, learn a new offense when you come to Denver. No, they they said like, where's your playbook? Just bring your offense, and we'll run whatever you're comfortable with. That's what you do. Uh, but that's not working. That's not working. They're trying to bring in some more things, and what they were, what they kind of did for most of the season was tricks. They had little tricks they were running to try and keep, you know, Matt Canada's run game and Ben Roethlisberger's pass game separate uh, and not kind of like try and kind of you know wink wink hide that from other teams and teams caught on eventually they caught on the run game disappeared uh and now what they're trying to do is really do what they should have done in the first place had we had a real off season had we had a real preseason and time to do all this stuff is make ben do this stuff and see is it going to work because if it's not going to work then then this offense is toast it just is uh, so they're trying to fix it they're trying they're trying to get it going um, we'll see. It's it, part of the reason it was so bad this last week is they were asking Ben to do things that he's just not good at. He's just hasn't been good at. He's not comfortable at them. But that's the only way we're going to win is if he gets if he grows as a player really to do the things he he used to be able to do. He used to do them in the two thousands. Thirty eight year old dog uh, learning new tricks. Hopefully uh, he can he can get it under control. But Chris. I'm assuming you've probably been able to watch some of the last uh, the the past four Steeler games have all been uh, prime prime time in in some uh, capacity, uh, be it on a Wednesday or in the middle of a day on a Monday. But um, from what you have seen from the Steelers the last couple of weeks, do you see a potential that the Colts could shut them out at home? Uh, I don't think so, uh, and and the reason I don't think so is that the the defense has actually kind of struggled for the Colts over the past few weeks. Um, granted, they've struggled against Deshaun Watson, and he kind of single handedly. I mean, it, well, we all know divisional games don't really play the same as any other game, and the Texans always play the Colts tough. Um, but they they've really struggled all season long in the first half. Um, they they play very soft. They make a ton of adjustments, and typically their defense is locked down in the second half of games. But they they're prone to kind of giving up some plays uh, that are there. They haven't been as disciplined um, 
across the whole defense. They may be playing. I mean, honestly, at this point of the season, guys are are hurt. Even if they're not hurt, you know, they're on the injury report or not, they're still pretty banged up. And you got guys like DeForest Buckner playing through ankle issues. You've got, you know, you see Darius Leonard come up limping, but you never hear about it. It's like, okay, he's he doesn't feel great. I'm sure uh, you're playing through it, and that's fine. But you're going to be moving a little slower. So I've definitely seen a. A slight drop off. I think that they match up pretty well against the Steelers offense because they are just naturally a, a very good run defense. They don't have to rush um, a lot of guys. They they rush for and they're really fast to the ball, good gang tacklers, and they're opportunistic, kind of in the same way the Steelers are. I don't know where at this point we stand, but I know uh, defensively pretty similar in terms of turnovers. Um, Colts have been better this year by far than they were last year at, at taking the ball away. And they're going to rely on that. Probably they've, they've really relied on that over the past few weeks um, more so than just shutting teams down that they've, they've been the beneficiaries of taking the ball away at, at good places on the field. So I think that's probably going to be their biggest, biggest key, but I don't think it'll be necessarily um, a shutdown performance because that's not really what they've done over the past few weeks. Now, Jeffrey, something that's kind of jumped out to me on film a, a little bit is uh, Chase Claypool, obviously someone we talk about a lot on the show, um, especially last week. He, it seemed like every time he was running open, the ball wasn't getting thrown to him. And when he was covered, the ball was getting thrown to him. A, a bit of a weird kind of mix there. How has he disappeared in the Steelers' offense after kind of breaking out the first eight weeks of the season? Yeah, that's, that is isn't that is one of the interesting things about this year is, is Chase Claypool – really started getting going. Uh, one of the big things is teams have learned how to defend him on his deep routes. They get super physical with him, super physical because he, one of the problems he has coming into the NFL is he is an incredibly physical player. He loves being the, mo the, the biggest dog. And you could see it on his Notre Dame film. He was the biggest dog on the field. He knew it and he bullied everybody and he enjoyed it. He loves that stuff. Uh, and then he gets in the NFL and he's playing a bunch of guys who know how to play those guys. They have to be able to play those guys to be starters in the NFL and they know how to deal with them. They're getting, they're getting physical back with him. Uh, we're seeing that his hand fighting in his route is, is a little rough, but we're also seeing an offense where Ben isn't comfortable. And when Ben isn't comfortable, Claypool is not one of the guys he goes to. Uh, he's going a lot to Deontay Johnson. He's going heavily to Eric Ebron when he's uncomfortable, when he doesn't know, when he's not, you know, he's just not comfortable back there in the pocket with the play calling, with the with the play action. And so he's going to guys that he he trusts more. That's that's kind of Ben's style. So you're seeing him force a lot of passes to Eric Ebron, force a lot of passes to Deontay Johnson. And you are you are seeing him occasionally kind of pick Chase Claypool and be like, all right, I'm throwing to Chase. It almost feels like that. Like, it's like, all right, I'm throwing to Chase, and then Chase is covered. He's like, well, there you go, Chase. Try and make a play. He also is giving Chase a lot of those chances. I think I think that pre the the offseason where we were hearing about him beating Joe Hayden one-on-one -on -one and 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 going up and taking balls down over guys and through them and just, just being that contested catch guy has been thinking, you know, okay, we need a deep shot here, or, you know, we need this many yards. I'm going to throw it to Chase and see if he can do it, but – he he's not there yet, man. He's he's not ready for that. Uh, we saw him running open way too much in the Bengals game to not get have that taken advantage of. But that's Ben Roethlisberger running play action. He's just not comfortable and he doesn't see the field as well. Uh, one thing I want to answer myself before we get to into the next question. Ezra asked in the live chat, "Am I wrong for regretting uh, picking Claypool over J.K. Dobbins of the Ravens?" Uh, I, I will jump out and say absolutely not. 
or absolutely, uh, that is ridiculous to regret it. That's what I mean. Uh, Claypool is the right pick. You can still find a running back anywhere. Look at James Washington in Jacksonville. Uh, running backs are dime a dozen. Like I know wide receivers are coming out in, in bundles right now, especially with the rise of seven on seven. You're going to see tons of wide receivers, extremely talented receivers come out year in, year out from, from here on for the rest of football existence probably. But running backs – it's it's like it's the thing like you see all of them get signed after the rookie deals and they they hit a wall it's all it's always every other position before running back for me and that, that's how i'm always gonna look at it until until someone changes it and i don't really expect that even look at the uh saquon barkley and christian mccaffrey two guys that were talked about being the best running backs in football this year they never played so that, that's another way to look at it but chris getting back on topic here Darius Leonard talking about uh, another beast. Uh, where would you rank him in the hierarchy of uh, NFL uh, inside linebackers? Well, I'm you know I I would have him pretty high. Um, he he's an incredible player. He has grown actually. He I think he's one he's the beneficiary of kind of a mythos about him a little bit that that grows up um, because he's a compelling guy uh, off the field and on the field. But he he does a whole lot more for this defense than simply his play. Uh, he's actually grown in coverage. But man, the thing that Darius Leonard does um, maybe better than any other will linebacker, certainly four three inside linebacker, um, is man he takes the ball away at the right time. Like he somehow finds I don't know how a player how this is even possible for a player to to do this. But man, there are some players who just have that kind of feel for the moment and they make these big plays in critical moments. And Darius Leonard is that guy. I mean, he did it last week to close out the game. Uh, Houston Texans knocking on the door, preparing to score a game tying touchdown and possibly send the game into overtime. And uh, they hit the guy, they hit you know, Kiki Kuti uh, right at the five yard line. He's going to go in. Darius Leonard punches the ball out. Colts recover it in the end zone. Touchback game over. Um, if that happens a couple of times, it's, it's fortunate and it's, it, you know, it's pretty cool, but it's, you know, kind of, but when it happens week in and week out, he's making these big plays. He's just there on every plays, making great tackles. He's the heart and soul of that defense. And he's kind of guiding them through, man, he's just an incredible player. He's one of the most exciting Colts defenders that I've had the pleasure of watching. Um, and he's a game changer. I mean, they are a totally different defense in the same kind of way, maybe different because the, the position isn't as critical, uh, but in the same kind of way that that DeForest Buckner um, impacts the game, Darius Leonard does. And um, yeah, I man, what a steal for Chris Ballard to find him and and add him to the team because I think of that class, he's it's there's no competition. He's he's the best guy that came came out in, on the interior in that class. Um, but yeah, man, it's exciting to watch him, and I'm I'm excited to see how he how he does Sunday because he made the pro bowl, but he's going to carry everybody else's chip on his shoulder. He's the guy who always feels like he's gotten a personal slight and views everything personally. Uh, if you want to get a like on Twitter from Darius Leonard, say something bad about him because he looks for the, the personal slights and likes them and you won't get a comment, but you get a like because he wants to hear it because he's motivating himself that way. Oh God, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> One time I talked about Mike Hilton uh, and I thought like, oh, Cam Sutton might replace him this year. Like he looks really good in the, in the off season. And it was like all the way down the thread, he was never tagged. It, it was like, he read the whole thing and he liked the last one. I'm like, really, <laughs> really? The, the, that's the, the interaction I'm going to get today. That okay. But <laughs> that is really funny. That guys get motivated by that. The, the old Michael Jordan, uh, just going to make up some, some oh, yeah. uh, drama here and just, just feel angry about something that isn't real. But 
teach their own, I guess. Uh, Darius Leonard's been a beast, and uh, I guess that uh, has been continuing for for good reason. Now, Jeffrey, getting getting in the Steelers side of things. Uh, last time, I think we'll only we'll ever have to talk about it. Juju Smith Schuster today said he's going to stop dancing on uh, the opposition's logos before uh, before games start. Uh, do you think that was really a distraction, or is that just because the Steelers started losing? Now people want to point a finger at something. Man, I was going to wait until we did our predictions to bring this up because <laughs> it's clear the Steelers are going to win now, man. Like, well, okay, we had our problems, but Juju Smith-Schuster's <laughs> done dancing. Super Bowl, you know, we're going to win two Super Bowls this year. We're going to win two. If wow. Juju Smith-Schuster's not dancing, it's it's done. Like, that's – I, I uh, it's not a thing. It's not. Everyone wants to make it a thing. Like, uh, I don't know – I can't remember who it was who said it, but they were like, the only reason they're talking about this is because we're not winning. We're playing terribly, so people are talking about this. Literally, no one talked about it week one. No one talked about it week three. No one talked about it week five, week seven, week nine. Nobody. The team starts losing, and it's like, oh, you know what the problem with this team is? Is that Juju Smith-Schuster and his TikToking? I, it's, I mean, I, I think we all know that's 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 why this is a thing. That's why this is an issue. And because his teammates are having to answer for it, he's stopping it. Good for him. But you know what? It, it's nothing. It means literally nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I think I think we can tie a bow on that one. You, it would be funny, though, if, if he were to score in this game and run to center field and dance on the Steelers logo. Like, I'd probably get a really big kick out of that and kind of hope it happens. But uh, I don't know. We'd, we'd have to win the game. After the game. If the Steelers somehow win this game, I would love to see it. Just go dance on the Steelers logo. Put it on TikTok. <laughs> Best case scenario, OT, walk-off touchdown. Just sprints go. to midfield, starts doing a weird dance on the logo. Pulls the cell phone out of his sock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as one does. We know receivers like to do that, but uh, <laughs> uh, goodness. A, a little less lighthearted question, Chris. Uh this is probably going to be a challenging one, uh, especially considering whose show you're currently on. You got to keep that in mind here. Who is the better defense, the Steelers or the Colts? <laughs> so I would say there's no question the Steelers are a better pass rushing team. Um, and I think they probably have the better pass defense for sure. Um, the Colts are an inside out strong defense, and they're maybe more. I don't know. There's they're really like it's they're such close quality defenses. It's I I would be hard pressed to say exactly, but I would honestly say I think probably the Colts have the better running uh, defense, the stronger uh, middle, just because I think Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki as as inside linebackers are excellent. And then when they're getting off clean because they've got really good defensive line, uh, they're such a good run defense team. Um, they've struggled on the back end a little bit. They've got two, they got a rookie uh, and a second year guy playing safety and they're both good players. Kari Willis and, and uh, Julian Blackman are, are good players, but they're one in two years in this league. They're going to make some mistakes. And neither of them was, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick or somebody who's expected to be one of the best at their position. Uh, they're guys that Ballard has found a little bit later, and they've turned out to be really good players. But they don't have that high upside that some of the Steelers' defensive backs have. And so I would say definitely as far as, uh, you know, the passing game goes, that edge is definitely the Steelers, I would say. Uh, maybe against the run, the Colts are, are a little bit better. Uh, but, man, they're both such good defenses, and they're both so opportunistic that I nobody really wants to play them on offense on either side. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, 
thankfully, if the Colts have a better run defense, the Steelers can't run the ball. So <laughs> maybe we can win the game. <laughs> but uh, getting back into things, Jeffrey, uh, does playing this game in Pittsburgh mean anything? Like, there's still no fans, but d- d- does it impact the outcome of this game in the slightest? I don't think so. I honestly, I don't think home field really has meant anything at all in this season. And especially right now, it is nice two road games in a row. It is nice to go back and have a home game. Uh, And maybe that'll get the team a little bit of comfort level. Maybe that'll help them, you know, bounce back a bit. If, if, if they get some other things squared away and they're ready to bounce back, maybe that, maybe that makes that this week instead of next week that they bounce back, something like that. I, I don't think it really matters that much, especially especially in 2020. If, if they had the full stadium of fans, yeah. Yeah, Steelers Nation would matter. Um, but, no, nah, I, I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, so, in the same vein, I guess, Chris, uh, how have the Indianapolis Colts been as the road team this year? Do, have you seen any difference in them? There hasn't really been a huge uh, difference. I would say it's been a lot more about environment in terms of, you know, field condition and and weather and things like that. Those are things that have been much more uh, likely to be a factor. I mean, they, we've had a rookie kicker who's been pretty solid, but we have noticed uh, playing on tough fields to kick on. He's he struggled a little bit early. He's really kind of locked in recently, uh, but they've been playing in pretty good weather conditions for most of that time. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how he plays, especially as playoffs roll in, um, playing someplace, someplace like Pittsburgh that's kind of historically a tough place to kick. Um, those are things that have been in. He's been really good, but, I mean, he's not kicked in Pittsburgh before, and he's going to be facing some of those. Those are the things I think that are going to be um, maybe challenging is on special teams uh, for somebody like him. And I, I don't know that it'll be a big deal for, you know, for the offense necessarily because, you know, Phillip Rivers is – uh, I mean, it's not that's not his forte, but he's getting rid of the ball quickly. They can run the ball reasonably well. They're going to be able to lean on that if he's struggling. Uh, but I would say definitely for the, the kicking game, which everybody just, you know, really loves to watch kicking games really closely. I know. Uh, but, you know, that's that's maybe something that you, <laughs> that you have to watch uh, to see how that that shakes out in this game and, and really any of those road games that are going to be in outdoor stadiums. Hey, we got to play the Ravens twice a year. So we hear uh, about Justin Tucker uh, at nauseum. But hey, I, I love me some hot rod. The, the specs are awesome. Rodrigo Blankenship. I mean, if any was anyone was made to be a kicker, if you if you ask me, des- describe what a kicker looks like. It's him. It's yeah. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> that, that is that is the model for what a kicker is. But Jeffrey, speaking about individual players in this game, he might not even play. He was out today with a back injury and exited the the Bengals game. But is this the Eric Ebron revenge game? That would be fun. That would be nice to see. I would love to see Eric Ebron go off in this game. I don't think it is, though. The Colts have coverage from their linebackers. He is not. He even before that injury, he was he was playing banged up. You could tell he he was having some trouble. Uh so I don't, I don't think it will be. I would love to see it. I would love to see Ben and Eric Ebron get going. But then I was I was really looking forward to playing in Cincinnati because you know Ben was going to be good in Cincinnati. He's always good in Cincinnati and, <laughs> until he's took out the field and was awful. So, I no, I don't. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't have any, I don't have any hope. <laughs> uh, Chris, honest question. From uh, – Ebron's tenure now to Mo Alley-Cox taking over as a tight end number one in Indianapolis. Can you firmly say if one was better than the other as uh, the Indianapolis Colts uh, tight end number one? 
Oh, it was definitely Ebron. I mean, now he didn't actually play as the tight end one. That was that was uh, more Jack Doyle's role. Right. Um, yeah. But but Ebron was he man? He had an incredible year in 2018. Uh, Andrew Luck always looked to tight ends. He was, that was, I mean, he wanted to go to the tight end on almost every play he does. Tight ends were to Andrew Luck, like uh, running backs are to Phillip Rivers. They're always looking to get the ball uh, to those guys. And Ebron was schemed open. I actually broke down on Stampede Blue every one of his touchdowns in 2018, which was awesome because it was a great season. He had 14 of them and uh, 13 receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. And honestly, he was good, but Frank Reich had him screen, uh, schemed so wide open on probably 10 of those touchdowns that anybody really could have made those plays. Now, it's not to say and, and take any credit away from him executing and doing what he needed to do, but a lot of it was really his execution of, of a scheme that Frank Reich put in place to get him open and, and him just capitalizing on it and props to him for doing that. But um, yeah, I, I think there's no question. I mean, he was such a valuable part of the offense, uh, especially in 2018, 2019, uh, not as much. And a lot of Colts fans feel a little bit like we would, we would be excited for uh, there's Colts fans who definitely are, uh, you know, maybe excited to see Eric Ebron again and hopefully see him get roughed up a little bit by the, by the linebackers. Cause they have some ill feelings toward him. I don't, I, I think he, uh, was an exciting player. It was really fun to watch him and, you know, I, I hope he does good things, uh, starting next week. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I think everyone wants to see the Browns lose. Uh, I think the NFL is just better when the Browns suck. So uh, I totally get that too. But all is right with the world that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess it is 2020. So uh, goodness me, upside down now. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Brown Super Bowl. That's the, yeah. that's the peak 2020 right oh, there. No, <laughs> don't even say. It. Well, I guess technically the Super Bowl will be played in 2021. So. Yeah. Thankfully, we have that on our side. But, Jeffrey, we just heard Chris talking about uh, an offensive-minded coach running guys wide open. Oh, how does that sound? That sounds really nice to me. How does that sound to you? Oh, that would be nice. Uh, but we saw we <laughs> saw guys open. We've seen them open. They're just not getting the ball. Uh, someone made a comment in the chat saying, Ben has to stop getting Ebron killed. Yeah. Yeah, you can't throw to Juju when the strong safety is crashing down on him and completely not even looking at Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool is no one within 10 yards of him. Just beyond that, and the strong safety is coming to take Juju Smith-Schuster's head off, and he's like, oh, just dump it off to Juju. Boom, fumble. You know, he throws to, he threw to that, that throw he threw to Eric Ebron, and Eric Ebron got hurt. The linebacker who was covering the flat backed up into the – backed up to make that a tighter throw – Anthony McFarland is wide open in the flat. Had an easy five, six, seven yards. No problem. Ben is just staring down Eric Ebron and then throws it to him when he's covered and he takes a big shot for it. Like, Ben can't keep throwing those. He can't. He is getting – and he's not accurate enough to, like, nail him in there like he was with, with Antonio Brown. These guys are not Antonio Brown. And Ben is not the quarterback that we saw throwing those passes to Antonio Brown through 2017 that's not this you know he's got to he's got to advance he's got to evolve a bit he's got to stop like getting his receivers in trouble Jeffrey one really quick question here yes or no Randy Feekner I know a lot of Steeler fans want him out uh do you think this is uh the, his last uh home regular season game as the Steelers offense coordinator absolutely not people wanted Keith Butler fired also very true People Very wanted Keith cool. Butler fired. They brought in uh, whatever his face is. The, 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 
the other defensive backs guy, the guy who does the secondary. Oh, Ter- Terrell Austin. Yeah, Terrell Austin. This defense is incredible. It's incredible. Randy Feekner's here to stay. As long as Ben Roethlisberger's here, Randy Feekner is probably here to stay. <sighs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, uh, we we wind down our shows with a with a similar trio of questions. Um, the first one being if you could pluck one guy off the Steelers roster and put him on the Colts roster. And I know what you're thinking. So there's one stipulation. You can't take TJ Watt. You, you got to take one guy off the Steelers roster. No, you're handicapping me right out of the gate. Oh, because everyone said TJ Watt. I think it was like 10 weeks consecutive. So we're like, I still like this question, but we got to take TJ Watt off the table. So I'm going to pose that to you. Pluck one guy off the Steelers that's not named TJ Watt. Drop him on the Indianapolis Colts. Well, unfortunately, T.J. Watt definitely fits the need of the Colts the most. But if I can't have T.J. Watt, I'm going to take Minka Fitzpatrick because uh, if I can have a game-changing talent in the secondary, you you always got to take that guy. Um, Man, the Colts have seen the difference that it makes uh, just with a a rookie in Julian Blackman back there who has a nose for the football, and he doesn't have near the skill uh, or the polish that Minka Fitzpatrick does. And I think, man, if you can get a guy who can play fast and just has the ability to change games. I mean, the Colts saw it last year when he you know, picked off Brissett and ran back uh, a pick six from, I think, like either in the end zone or right on the doorstep of it. I mean, just kind of this backbreaking play because he's just heads, a heads up guy who has the ability to make those kinds of plays. Man, you, you always, even in a position where you may be don't need it as much. You can always use another game-changing talent like that, and I think that's probably a guy who you can't pass up. Jeffrey, same question to you. Who are you taking off the Colts? Oh, that's easy. I'm taking Leonard. Darius Leonard. We got no middle linebackers right now. <laughs> we got nobody. We're down. We're down our like. We're down our top two middle linebackers. Uh, Vince Williams coming back from injury. I like. Yeah, it's easy. Darius Leonard. He is. He is what Devin Bush looked like. You know, uh, like we talked about the turnovers. Devin Bush had a ton of turnovers. Similar to Darius Leonard, this year Devin Bush was doing fewer, but he was taking on so much responsibility and making so much, so many other people better. It's, he's that kind of player. He is that kind of impact. I would take Darius Leonard because we don't have Devin Bush right now. I, I don't typically answer this question, but uh, we need someone to block the Forrest Buckner. So give me Quentin Nelson because, uh, oh, I, I love me some big Q. He, oh, he is a beast. That's a good one too. Yeah, especially the the way the Steelers like to pull their guards, that would be that'd be a lot of fun. But yeah. uh, and who are we starting to left guard? Who are we starting to left guard this game? It's probably going to be Derwin Gray. Is my is my assumption? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, not good. Oh, Hassan would be worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, your your game X factor. If you can pick one player that uh, would have a sneaky good game, who would that one player be? Um. Man, so offensively, this is almost impossible to call. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna avoid that entirely and go over to the defense because it's a way easier pick. Uh, he's got some he got some pop over the past few weeks, but man, Kenny Moore is one of the most underrated slot corners. He doesn't want to be called a slot corner, uh, but underrated cornerbacks, uh, largely playing out of the nickel. Um, but man, he's one of those underrated players who I anticipate as we get closer to the back half of the season, we're gonna see Matt Eberflus start to to throw into more blitzing situations. Uh, they haven't blitzed uh, frequently at all this season. They're more of a four-man pass rush most of the time. But when they do, they like to bring him off the edge. A lot of times they'll bring Darius Leonard up the middle when they do that. And he has just this ability to evade um, and bend 
like you don't see out of a 185 pound guy and he can take down the passer. He's, he's been pretty good at it. He's got a pretty high percentage of those times when he does blitz that he uh, impacts the play. He made a stupid interception, which I'm sure everybody saw. Um, I think it was against the Raiders in the end zone where he one hand catches this ball with his close hand. It was the most awkward and ridiculous catch that he should had no business making that catch. Uh, but man, if you don't know Kenny Moore's name, um, it's just because the Colts don't play a lot of primetime games. And he's one of those players who just has a knack for making big third down plays, uh, whether it be in the pass rush or uh, getting his hand on the ball. Um, I expect him to be a big factor in the game because he is every week. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being a nickel corner. I, I think, Jeffrey and I were having a conversation about, uh, man, should we cut Ben to keep Mike Hilton around? That's how much we love our nickel corner. But uh, Jeffrey, same question to you. Uh, who's who's your X factor for this game? Uh, good or bad, Avery Williamson. Phillip Rivers is going to be targeting his running backs. We need a linebacker to step up. We don't have Robert Spillane. If Robert Spillane was here, I would feel much more comfortable comfortable with the Steelers' defense. We don't have him. Avery Williamson is going to have to step up and have a big game to Give me Marquis penalty. This offense line needs to have a good game. Uh, penalty the guy in the middle calling the shots. He's going to have whoever beside him on his left. DeCastro's he's he's been he's been fine. Clearly been playing injured all year, but the, the guy in the middle. I think Marquis penalty is going to have a good game, uh, especially with uh, that Colts defensive line. Uh, Chris, final question of the night. Uh, we will uh, actually. I'll, I'll ask it to Jeffrey first because he knows it come. He he knows it's coming. It's our score prediction. So I'll get to you uh, second. But Jeffrey, final score for this game. You have a really sad look on your face. Uh, I'm not like. I don't want to answer this. <laughs> you have to. This. You're required to answer this question. Oh, 27-14 Colts. That sounds bad as I thought you were going to say. But uh, Chris, what uh, what way are you leaning? Well, I'm going to be kinder because I honestly expect the the Steelers to do more. But I think this is this is the you know the part of part of you guys coming on the back end of some rough games. Uh, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that the Steelers are going to bring it and they're going to be ready to head into the playoffs. Uh, I think I, I do think 27. The Colts have been in that ballpark almost every week uh, for the Colts, but I think I think it's going to be a Colts win. But I think it's going to be a close one. I think 24, 27, uh, and I think the kicking games will be a factor. So. Oh, I also don't want to answer this one. I I, th- I honestly think this is going to be the the cultivation and the the worst the worst of the games. But then I I think that I'm like if this is a bad game, I think the game against the Browns in Week 17 is going to be even worse for the Steelers. So with that with that said, I think it's going to be like 20 to three, like for the Colts. I, I this Steelers offense they got to show something, and they haven't. And maybe it's a they score a touchdown from James Washington running an out route and then takes it 50 yards again. But outside of a play like that, I I still don't see them getting it to getting it together, especially against the defense like the Indianapolis Colts. So as we get out, uh, Chris, do you have anything uh, you want to plug? Yeah, actually, we uh, at I I'm, I host a podcast. I can actually speak sometimes while I'm on it, but I host a podcast and trip over my words on that one. Uh, hey. Called Stampede Radio. Um, and you can subscribe to the Stampede Blue uh, podcast feed to find that one. But we're we're all on there. Um, lots of good stuff coming up on Stampede Blue all the time. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Chris Blystone. And I like to tweet. Uh, if you ever get passive aggressive office uh, gifts, then you know you've irritated me. And I, I don't know how to be nice. So I'm just responding with Michael Scott and, and Dwight Schrute because that's the only way I know how to respond without being a jerk. So... <laughs> Hey, 
hey, not, nothing wrong with that at all. I, I have to run the BTSC social media pages, so I, I, I know I know what it's like. And uh, just 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 a, a gif every now and then it, it keeps it, it keeps it pretty uh, family friendly, I'd say. Uh, right. Before getting to, too too bad, but uh, Jeffrey, uh, I know you got great stuff coming out all the time. What, what uh, can we expect from you? I actually uh, have two of the my favorite things I've ever made uh, coming out here. One just came out this week earlier. Uh, my reaction to the game where I, sh- I showed how bad Ben Roethlisberger played. Um, and tomorrow, I think, uh, the Vertex me and Dave Schofield put together is coming out. Uh, where really, I, I give Greg- Dave a lot of credit. He-, he-, he put together some stats and asked me a question. And in answering it, really made sense what was going on this last week with the Steelers and how they are really approaching these last games as a chance to restart and get this offense going in the direction it should have gone from the beginning. It's coming out uh, tomorrow, so look for that. Uh, and as we sign out, uh, I want to make sure everyone is clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, make sure you're listening to our entire family of podcasts, uh, BTSC. We come out with a ton of stuff, a lot of podcast-exclusive stuff as well. So you're, make sure you're subscribing to that wherever you get your podcasts. And as we as we go out, uh, it's almost Christmas or uh, Hanukkah just uh, finished, I believe. Uh, Kwanzaa, the winter solstice was the other day. Uh, it, it's almost Friday, if that's what you're into. W- whatever it is, we love that you tune in. We love that you're Steeler fans. Uh, even the Colts fans that are in the chat tonight. Um, just uh, be safe. Have a happy new year. Thank you for tuning in. And we're excited to uh, talk to you guys in the new year. Oh, I guess I guess our show is uh, New Year's Eve. Or th- th- New Year's Eve Eve? I don't know. So we will see you one more time before the new year, but uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, We will see you uh, uh, shortly, I I suppose, hopefully not on a four game losing streak, but uh, goodness, I, uh, we better just sign up. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll, We'll catch you soon. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U S like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.